Hey everyone, welcome back to Revive School. My name is Sean Carlson. I'm excited to teach and share in the Psalms with you today. Today is lesson number 84. Uh, lesson 84 is Psalm 116 through 118. Uh, we are going to be diving into Psalm 116. But before we do, just a couple of, uh, a couple of tidbits on the other Psalms. Psalm 117. Guys, what's unique about Psalm 117? Looks like it's two verses. <laughs> it's, you didn't pick that one? It's short. It's a, it's a short psalm. I did not want to uh, teach through that psalm today. Uh, but no, what's, what's unique about Psalm 117? It comes after 116. That's right. It's the shortest. Before 118. <laughs> it is the shortest uh, chapter in the Bible, Psalm 117. It's also the center of the Bible. And then uh, what is unique about Psalm 118? It comes after the shortest. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it comes right after the shortest. And it's right before the oh, longest. You're full of it today. <laughs> I'm on yeah, a roll. We're good. Well, Psalm 116, there, there's something I feel like that is unique about Psalm 116, and that there's this affection for the Lord that comes out. Uh, I see it. We start off with love, uh, but there's this affection. And sometimes I think uh, I run into people where it seems like they have a, a love for the Lord that goes beyond just knowledge. Like they really have this heart connection with God. Uh, they weep and they celebrate and, and it just comes out in the way that they talk. It's an intimate relationship. Uh, different from, yes, I know everything about God. I know he redeemed me. I, I know all these things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rejoice. I'm going to celebrate. There's this intimacy. And so, so many of the Psalms, they praise God. They give glory to God. But this one is unique in that there's a, a, an affection that comes out. And so as we talk about affection, I just have a question. Do you remember uh, your first date with your wife, uh, guys, uh, Tom? What did you do on your first date with Susan? You went to a hockey game. A hockey game. <laughs> and so, <laughs> with my younger brother. Kevin, what did you and Michelle do on your first date? Uh, our first date was, uh, it was very cold in North Dakota, and we went out for supper at a green mill that later burnt down. Yeah. How long did you guys stay at Green Mill? Uh, we were there probably for an hour. Met with we actually, it was we met online, and so at that time it was scary. And uh, a friend of hers came with us just for safety and check you out. Yeah, make sure I was all right. Yeah, R Rich, what did you do, you and Shelly, on your first date? My first date was atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. I totally blew it. But we went to the movies. But. Um, so Shelly, I was working for her dad at the time and I just felt like I was going to ask her out on a date. And I remember my roommate saying, man, this is either going to go well or you're going to get fired and, uh, you're going to be driving back to New York cause that's where I'm from. And we were, we met in Virginia beach. And so I remember going over to her house to pick her up and I remember her mom just like having the sinus infection and she wasn't feeling well and she just didn't look good. And, and what I said came out totally wrong. I was just like, D you look horrible. And <laughs> my now father-in-law uh, was sitting next to her at the time, and he just like stared daggers through me, and I just thought, man, I'm this isn't going to go well. So uh, we went to the movie, and I literally took her home right after that. We didn't go eat, drink, nothing, just like there was no, I, I blew this, I'm taking you home, I hope I can save my job. Well, and you guys made it. <laughs> You're married still. We did somehow, you know, the Lord pulled us through. God is good. 
Well, Erica and I, our first date, she, her and I lived in, in apartment buildings that were uh, adjoining one another. So we, we knew each other from hallway conversations and things. And one night I randomly texted her because I was hungry and I wanted to go get something to eat. And I said, would you like to join me for, for dinner? And so we went to dinner at a local restaurant in Minnesota. And uh, we were there for probably four hours. And the whole time we were just talking. And I'm not even sure if either of us ate all of the meal that we had. But that's what we both remember from that date is the kind of that uh, that that knowledge that we were gaining of one another, which which turned into an affection because we were talking. And I think that that's a little bit of a picture that we have here in this psalm. And so let's start. Psalm 116, uh, we'll do, verses one, do verse 1, and then we'll do verse 2 and, and talk about that. So in verse 1, it says, I love the Lord. I love the Lord because He has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. So the reason in Psalm, uh, Psalm 116, verse 1, it says, I love the Lord. He says, it is because He has heard my voice. And so I think, uh, first of all, when we talk about this love, this type of love, this is covenantal love. This is an agreement. This is like, this is like a marriage. There's a reason that God uses marriage in the Bible as, as a picture of Christ's relationship with the church. And there's so much emphasis placed on marriage because it's a covenant. The type of love that we're talking about here is that covenantal love. Uh, it's an affection. And, and it says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice. I think that's an incredible statement when you dwell on those words right there, because he has heard my voice. Imagine, if you will, somebody in our culture who is uh, you know, maybe famous or has, a, has a, a reverence within the culture or somebody who you looked up to like a celebrity or like a president or a, or a, a musician who you have looked up to over time. If you had a, a few moments where you could have one-on-one time with them, what's probably the thing that we would do most? We'd probably say, hey, I want to tell you about how you have, uh, you know, maybe your music shaped my teenage years or my high school or my college years. We like it when people of influence hear what we have to say. We like to be able to talk with them. And this applies. God, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice. Now, here's the thing. Comparing God to a celebrity, God is a creator of the universe. He has created everything. He's Lord over all. He is God. And if God heard our voice just one time, if we knew that the creator of the universe would just one time hear what we had to say, we'd want to talk to him because we knew that he would listen to us. But here's the cool thing. He hears us more than once. He hears us constantly. He hears us always. We get to talk to him at any time. This is the God of the universe. And so when we talk about an affection for the Lord, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice. There's magnitude in that. God, he hears my voice. And so, uh, as, as we think about that amazingness, that just the, the gravity of that, he heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Let's go to verse two, Kevin. Because he inclined his ear to me, Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live because he inclined his ear to me. And so when you think about inclining my ear, what do you think of? You're thinking of God leaning in because he wants to know what you have to say. God wants to hear from us. He enjoys listening to us. Just like on your first date with your wife or with your spouse, you enjoyed that conversation. You wanted to know as much as you could about that person, and they wanted to know as much as they could about you. There was a listening. It was active. There was an inclining of the ear. And so let's just, let's go to, Kevin, let's go to John uh, chapter 10, verse 27. This is the common verse that we all go to. We always reference this when we're talking about hearing from God and how God hears us and how we have that type of relationship with him. It says, John, John 10, verse 27, it says, My sheep hear my voice, and 
I know them and they follow me. So often we say, my sheep sheep hear my voice as as a way to demonstrate that God hears us, that we can have a communication with him. But I think we forget the other part of the verse. It says, and I know them and they follow me. So, and I know them. Think about like how well God knows your voice. God knows exactly what you sound like. It's like when you pick up the phone and call somebody and you say, hey, how's it going? And they recognize your voice. Before caller ID, they recognize your voice because they know you so well. God knows the sound of your voice. And I think that is amazing. Uh, and there's, because he knows the sound of our voice, I believe that that means that he has an affection for us. And then it says, and they follow me. And so because we hear his voice, because he knows us, that goes back to that first verse. I, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice. Because, because we hear him, he hears us, we follow him. And I just think that's a cool picture that we sometimes can just gloss over when we're talking about our relationship and our communication with the Lord. I think about, uh, I just want to reference this picture because uh, the, the birds up here, um, I know that the birds are there to represent praise, but I see these two birds kind of facing one another. And I think of like the way that they're facing one another. They're on, they're on the same branch, but they're facing the opposite side. You can almost think of like their love birds having a conversation, but they're face to face with one another and they're mouth to ear with one another. And so when one talks, the other listens. When the other talks, the other listens. So I just, I think that that image in that picture is very cool. And so in, in, in verse 2, because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. Let's go to 1 John 5.14. Uh, because uh, there's this, this I, I want to just keep on highlighting this, this, uh, this idea that God loves to hear from us and he wants to hear from us. So it says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. God listens to us and he hears us. There's a lot there in like asking and being in his will, but the point is, is that God hears us. So just more encouragement in that. And because if he hears us, if he listens to us, and if he clines his ear to us, why wouldn't we want to talk with him? And so this, this idea that we're going to walk through in, in, uh, in chapter 116, in verses 1 and 2, we have this concept, and I'm going to write it down here. It's called praise It rooted out of love. We're going to see this praise that is rooted in love. Uh, How about that? In love. There's a heart there. Love. I'll write it out too, just in case uh, people don't read images. Uh, But praise rooted in love. So as we go on, verses 3 through 11, I'll write this out too before we even start. As as we read verses 3 through 11, uh, just think of the, the phrase here, delivered from death. Delivered from death. So we have this praise rooted in love and then we're delivered from death. And I often wondered, uh, you know, there are some people who, um, who have this affection for the Lord and, and it seems like when they have this affection for the Lord, their testimony is, um, all testimonies are great, but their testimony seems like God has delivered them from something really, really uh, um, Serious, like they've really been delivered from something serious, as we would call it in our language. And so, uh, I wonder if there's a correlation between the affection that we see in people and what they've been delivered from. So, let's look through some deliverance uh, verses here. And so, verse three says, "The snares of death encompassed me; the the pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered 
distress and anguish. And so, uh, basically, th- this was, I was so close to death in this verse. This is, the snares of death encompass me. A snare is something that, that you use to catch an animal. A snare is something that can entangle you. And so, in, in this verse, it says, encompassed me, like, just wrapped around me, death wrapped around me. And then the, the pangs, the a pang is like a sudden or sharp emotional pain. The sudden, sharp, emotional pain of Sheol, which is often an image for, for hell in the Old Testament. Just this emotional pain laid hold on me, and I suffered distress and anguish. We're talking about being delivered, and so we're describing what we're being delivered from here in verse 3. And so let's go on to verse 4. And in that, in all of that pain and anguish, it says, Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. All of this suffering, amidst all of this suffering, the snares of death, the pangs of Sheol, I call on the name of the Lord. Who wouldn't want to call on their best friend in a time of distress? Imagine like, let's say, for example, I'm, I'm working out and, and I get injured at the gym. You know, who am I going to call? Who's my first call probably going to be? Tom, I, I got hurt at the gym and I'm going to urgent care. What's Tom going to say? Oh, okay. You, you shouldn't, you better form. Use better form or your shoes aren't right. <laughs> no, Tom will have, Tom will care. But I'm going to call my wife. I'm going to call Erica because she is going to have a compassion. She's going to have an affection for me that she knows that I need to receive when I am in this serious pain from my injury at urgent care. She's going to come down and she's going to bring me my favorite taco and my favorite drink. And like you get the idea, she's going to bring, she's just going to bring the affection of the relationship that we have. She's going to bring the affection of that kind of lovebird relationship. And so I called on the name of the Lord. I pray. That's who we call on is the God who has an affection for us and who we have an affection for. And that's what we see the psalmist do when he's gripped in this death. Uh, let's, let's go on to verse 5 here. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. God is so gracious. Uh, and so he's going to come meet us just as my wife will come to urgent care if I'm injured to meet me. God is gracious to meet us where we are. Verse 6. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. God, he doesn't discriminate. He does not discriminate. He does, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, he doesn't check to see if you have health insurance before he's going to come to your rescue. Uh, he does not look to see how much work you've done or, or what your, your college GPA is. He meets us. He meets us. He just sees you as you with affection, with a love. Like he sees you for his creation and he will come to your rescue. He will hear you in your prayer. He will hear you in your distress and he will respond. Verse seven, return all my soul to your rest for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Uh, The Lord has dealt generously with you. He's generous to us. Uh, Verse eight and nine, Kevin, it says, for you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. This last part here, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Remember, uh, we are in, in the earlier verses, like we are so close to death. He was, uh, uh, the snares of death, death encompassed him, the pangs of Sheol, like he is so close to death, and God pulls him out from death into the land of the living. We get to walk with Jesus in the land of the living. 
to me, this is this great picture of heaven. We get to, we get to walk with him in heaven. And so, uh, I just, I think about, uh, Romans 6 23, uh, the wage of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And so we almost have this like, picture here. You've delivered my soul from death. The wage of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. I walk before you in the land of the living. I think that's just a, a wonderful, wonderful image in this psalm. And again, it's because God has an affection for us and we have an affection towards him. Think about living with God in heaven, not just like, like being rescued from death. So there's like this aspect of being rescued from death into life. But after that, the life is a life eternal in heaven with God the Father and Jesus and everybody who's going to be in heaven with us. And I think that's an incredible picture. Uh, and because of that, I think, I think that when we think about living in heaven with God, it changes our response towards God. So it's just an image to keep in your mind. And so, Kevin, let's go to verse 10 and then 11. So in, in verse 10, it says, I believed, even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. So what we believe in verse 10, that like I'm greatly afflicted, it, it's actually outlined in verse 9. And so when we have this intimate relationship with God, he hears our distress and he delivers us from what afflicts us. He hears all of the things that we have to say to him and he hears it with an inclined ear and he sees us with an affection and he wants to do for us what we want him to do for us. It's an intimate relationship with God. And I think that uh, as I read and I study, I have to be careful not to just read and study. I have to be careful that I'm also spending time with the Lord in, in an intimate relationship, making sure that we are dialoguing back and forth. And I, I always wonder, like, if, if one affects the other, uh, God's affection for us and love for us never, never fails. But if, if I am missing out on sending my affection, not, not loving God the way that I should love God, but like if I'm not affectionate towards God, what is my heart doing? Because I, I'm just not, it's like if you, if you don't spend time with your wife or you don't spend time with your spouse, like you, you can grow distant. And so if I'm not being affectionate towards God, what does that do for me? Does it create distance between me and him? I want to remain affectionate. And so we have uh, this, this rooted in love that we talked about in the beginning of the psalm where uh, there's, there's a, a sense of affection and then we understand that affection at times can come because we are delivered from death. And then the, the third one, as a result of that, is that we are dedicated to praise. Dedicated to praise. And I believe that these are kind of connected here. Uh, so because we are delivered from death, because we are rooted in love, we are delivered from death. Because we are delivered from death, we are rooted in love. Because we are delivered from death, we are dedicated to praise. I think those two are just like, like this cycle. And so in verse 12 it says, What shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits to me? Will I lift a cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord? I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. And so as we, as we think about verse 12, what shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits to me? What, what are our benefits? What are our benefits that we receive? We've talked about this a few days ago. Well, Wesley talked about it in, from Psalms uh, 103, you know, just taking our sins away, our iniquities, lifted out of the pit. Yeah. There's just, there was a whole list there in Psalms 103. Yeah, there's a, a lot of benefit to walking with the Lord. A couple of things that I thought through uh, that, in fact, we just talked about was that, number one, uh, selfishly, I get to go live with God in heaven. 
I get to stay at the ultimate five-star resort when I leave this earth. And I think that's, that is a benefit. That is a benefit that I'm ready for. But the second thing is, is that we actually get to walk with the resurrection power. The benefit that we receive from Christ when, when we become a believer, we get the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us the resurrection power inside of us. That allows us to, to strengthen our walk. It allows us to minister to other people. Wesley was talking the other day about having your cup filled up by going out and ministering to people. When you walk out with a resurrection power, you are filled up because you see how God is at work. Not long ago, we got to take a group of high schoolers out um, uh, in the street to share the gospel as part of a class. And when we got there, all of them, we're, they were not excited about hitting the street. Uh, you know, they're kind of in the classroom and doing this thing. Uh, but every single group that went out, God showed up in their group. The group that I was in, the group that I was a part of, uh, one girl, uh, she just felt like she saw a logo of, of a tennis shoe company, of a, uh, a shoe company. And uh, so we just kind of were on a little bit of a hunt for that logo. She saw in a store a lady literally holding up a shirt that had that logo on it as big as, as the shirt was wide. And we're like, well, let's go talk to that lady. The lady had just gotten released from jail. Uh, she was so blessed that we got to pray for her. But more so, I think, who benefited from that were the couple students who were praying for that girl and especially the girl who saw the logo when we were praying about where do we go. She knew that God spoke to her about that logo. We saw it. That logo brought us to a lady who needed to be ministered to and that girl was rocked. And she came back and she was fired up. And the rest of the day, she kept on going after people. in, In a good way, she's like, let's pray with them, let's pray with them. And she was like joy came on her face and it was incredible because she was walking with the resurrection power. So we get to live in heaven with him. We get to walk here with the resurrection power right here on earth. And then as we talked about before, we get to talk with him. We get to like sit down and have a conversation with him anytime we want. And he, he knows our voice and he understands us and he inclines his ear. That is a benefit. So we live with God in heaven We walk in the resurrection power and then we get to talk with him. Those are just some of the benefits that we have because we are in him. Uh, Let's go to verse 14. If we could, I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. This is so cool because again, back to the Back to the uh, time when we were with the high school students, we we pay the vows to the Lord in the presence of all of the people. Um, the, The students then talked with everybody about what they experienced. They get to share what God did in their lives and the lives of others, but they got fired up and they were a testimony to all of the other students when we got back to the classroom amongst themselves. And now that they want to remember in the beginning when I said that these kids were really nervous about hitting the streets. Well, now I got an email a couple days later that said they want to do this once a month. They got so fired up because they want people to experience this. They want more people to go out. And so they're, they're sharing the testimony. They're, they're sharing it in front of all of his people because they want more people to experience that. In verse 15, it says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. That verse kind of threw me for a little bit when, when I first read it. It was like, precious is the death of his saints. I don't, I don't understand that. Uh, and so there, there's two things I want to kind of call out on this verse. And one of them, uh, I'm just going to quote what was in my study Bible because I, I felt like they said it best. It said, those who are in service to the Lord who are threatened with death are precious to God and thus are saved. Though they may not escape physical death, they will experience eternal life. And so 
those who are the saints are precious to God. The, the people who are in service, the people who are doing the work of God, uh, which all of us are. Once we've been saved, we are doing the work of God. It doesn't matter if you're doing a lot or a little, you're doing the work of God. And so he, we are precious in his sight. But this whole death thing, it, it stuck with me. And I feel like one of the other things that we could read into this is that uh, this concept of dying to self. As we die to ourselves, we allow God to work through us more. And, and I just wonder if part of this could mean that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints, meaning the saints who are going through this process of dying to self and continuing to refine them and grow closer to the Lord. Precious are those folks. Uh, verse 16 it says, O oh Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of the maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. Uh, in, in other words, like you have set me free from death. All these things that we just talked through, you've set me free from the death and the things that keep me in bondage. I am your servant. You know, Jesus demonstrated this uh, when he was in the upper room with, uh, with the disciples. He demonstrated it by washing their feet. The, the, the concept of servanthood, it's, it's, it's said twice here. I'm your servant. I'm your servant, the son of the maidservant. I am your servant. Jesus wanted to emphasize that with his disciples by washing their feet. He demonstrated it. They were uncomfortable with it, but that was one of the last things that he wanted to leave with them is the concept of being a servant and serving others. Uh, do we serve? We serve others. We serve him. There's all kinds of ways to serve. Jesus wanted to leave us with that. And in the psalm, it's reinforced twice here. I am your servant, Lord. In verse 17, it says, I will offer you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Uh, in other words, like I will sacrifice and, and acknowledge God's help. I will sacrifice in the presence of all his people and acknowledge the help that God has given me because what greater testimony than to be able to tell somebody else exactly what God did for you. You don't have to you don't have to necessarily back it up theologically or know, like, if God did this for me, I can't discount it. He did it for me, and you should know about it, and I'm filled with joy because of it. That is a testimony. I want this to be in the presence of all of his people. And then in verse 19, it says, In the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. We have this intimate relationship with God. We always talk about like it's a personal relationship, but I think we have this intimate relationship with the Lord. Remember, like we're, we're rooted in love here. Like God inclines his ear. Like there's an affection that he has for us that he wants to hear us. He wants to listen to us. And we are the same way. We should be the same way. He should hear my voice because they want to follow him. We should be inclining our ear to the Lord. God has a lot to say to us. God has a lot of truth that he wants to speak into our lives. God has a lot of uh, action that he wants us to partake in. And God has a lot of people that he wants us to minister to. And so if we affectionately take the time to incline our ear to him, praise the Lord because things will happen. You will see God move in your life. So we have this intimate relationship uh, with the Lord. Uh, number one, because we are in, in covenant with him. We have a covenant relationship with God. And two, because he hears us. God hears us and we hear him. He inclines his ears. Remember it. He wants to know us. He knows our voice. And then number three, because we hear him. So there's this back and forth thing. And so as you think about your relationship with the Lord and how do I, how do I bring more affection into my relationship with God, instead of, instead of it being more knowledge-based, how do I have some affection with him? Find it. 
and, and it is rooted in love. It's rooted in his love for you and your love for him. Uh, you want to keep an account for the deliverances that he has had in your life. What death has he brought you from? He's brought you from eternal death, but what other things has he delivered you from in your life that you know were of the Lord that you can testify to and then be dedicated to his praise? Devote yourself to praising God, giving a testimony among his people because uh, he is anxiously awaiting our return. He is anxiously awaiting our, the return together when we join him in heaven. And I think it's like when you haven't seen uh, your spouse after traveling for a while, there's this like excitement that you get to see them and, and, and it's rooted in the affection. And I think God is the same way. He's waiting to be back in community with us. And so my challenge maybe is every time that you see two birds hanging out on a, a telephone pole wire or on, on the street light, just use that as a reminder for yourself to, to get to this place where you have an affectionate love for the Lord and remember that he has an affectionate love towards you. Uh, because all of it is going to result in an incredible service towards the kingdom of God. And, and there's going to be a great big party when you get to hang out with him for real in heaven together. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, Psalm 116. Have a good day, everybody. We'll talk to you later.